0: Welcome to Spooky
1: South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does AM 1420, WBSN presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Jim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. The gang is all here. We're back. We survived hurricane trash slash tropical storm. Irene. I almost said trash. And it was kind of trash because we uh, we canceled the show. Uh, it turned out that it was good that we did because uh, weather started moving in kind of early. Uh, but we did, uh, we did call off our annual Bridgewater Triangle Investigation show last Saturday night, and instead we moved it to tonight. So... Now being the holiday weekend, it's not as many groups. It seems like most, for the most part uh, a lot of the groups are still involved that we're going to be involved. Uh, we did lose a few people due to the holiday, but we make do with what we can. And uh, we are actually going to have quite the show for you uh, tonight because we've got probably 15 people, 20 people out in the field in various locations. But actually for the first time doing one of these triangle investigation shows, we don't have Matt Moniz out in the studio. He's uh, out in the field. He's here in the studio with us tonight. Uh, so he's going to help us because basically Matt Koss and I get run ragged during this <laughs> show. So now you have to see what it's like on this side. Instead of just driving around and having fun you know, with Andy and Tom and whoever else you've gone out with, now you've actually got to do the work. Okay. <laughs> the, the investigation stuff, that's easy for you. You're used to that. It's the radio stuff that comes hard. And uh, we are broadcasting on Spooky TV on SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to see what's going on uh, inside the studio, you can do that by going to SpookySouthCoast.com and clicking on the Spooky TV link uh, in the upper left-hand corner of your screen. Uh, And also, when you're on SpookySouthCoast.com, if you click on the Bridgewater Triangle Project link at the bottom of the page, it will take you to the Triangle Investigation Show page where we have some of the locations up that people are going to be at uh, as evidence and video and evps and whatever else come in during the course of the night chris balzano is in command central down there in florida he said he has three computers set up to do all this we're going to check in with him a little bit later on in the show because we've got some huge breaking news regarding some of the stuff that we talk about when we talk about the bridgewater triangle uh, some of the cult killings that happened in the freetown state forest we have some breaking news tonight about that so stay tuned for that later on coming up with chris Uh, we also have our Twitter feed up there on the Bridgewater Triangle Project page, uh, and you can follow during the course of the night, because normally we would check in with the investigators out in the field off and on throughout the course of the show. We find out what's going on. We have so many people that want to get involved in so many locations that are covered. It really wouldn't work to do that. We'd have to just keep dialing somebody on the phone every five seconds. Uh, So instead we've tried to use Twitter, and uh, if you use the hashtag, which is the little number sign for those of you who aren't, of people, which I'm not, <laughs> I'm learning, but uh, if you use the hashtag spooky Triangle that will get you into the conversation there, and uh, you can take part, and if uh, any of the investigators are out there can hear me, and they're having trouble uh, actually getting their tweets to show up, uh, or if you can't tweet, you can just text Chris, and he'll make sure that they get up there. Uh, into the Twitter feed, so that's going to be the way to follow along during the course of the night. Uh, we have also got I've got Facebook open, so uh, either through my Facebook page or the Spooky South Coast Facebook page, we'll be posting up updates too, uh, as much as we can. I have a lot of technology in front of me. And I have to be hosting the show at the same time. So we'll see if we can work it out. We'll see if we can make this all happen. But uh, joining us on the phone line tonight throughout the course of the discussion is our friend Kristen Good from Bridgewater Triangle Research. Uh, Her partner, Manny Famolori, and her are doing a great job uh, really researching the the history of the Bridgewater Triangle and some of the various sites and events that have happened around there. And uh, she is joining us tonight from out in the triangle herself, not uh, out in the field but comfortably... uh, I don't want to say comfortably because you've got to be uncomfortable when you talk about some of the stuff we talk about with the Bridgewater Triangle, Kristen. Uh, but at least you don't have to be outside getting bit by mosquitoes and risking triple E like some of these other fools are tonight. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, do, do you feel that, uh, you know, when when we do these, these type of shows and, and we, we always talk about um, paranormal activity happens when people are there to perceive it, Uh, Do you just expect that you're going to get a whole bunch of reports coming in from people over the next few days, from stuff that all these investigators have stirred up while they're out there? I I don't know. I have a good feeling about tonight. Uh, Did you see the moon coming in? I did, yeah. that, That orange, what was it, a quarter moon?
3: Yeah, it's really cool. It's a weird energy tonight, so I'm hoping for some good action.
2: Well, we're going to keep you on the phone uh, throughout the show, even as we check in with some other people around the field. And uh, let me just give a rundown of who we have out there and what's going on. Uh, we have Pilgrim Paranormal Research. Uh, their website is pilgrimparanormal.com. Uh, they're out in the Raynham Dog Track area. They're looking for Thunderbird sightings and some of the mysterious black dogs with red eyes and some of the other things that have been seen out there. You can follow along with them on Twitter at at P underscore P underscore R. We also have Bay State Paranormal. Uh, We have Charlene and Rachel and Linda Marie. They're out there with Mike and Paula Markowitz and Kerrigan and Jason Lorifis. They're all out at Burial Hill in Plymouth, uh, which fits into the theme of this year's uh, Bridgewater Triangle Investigation show, The March of Anawan, which we'll get to in a second. Wailing City Ghosts, uh, Luann and Renee, they're out at Anawan Rock and some of the other places associated with Anawan out in that area. Uh, Greenville Paranormal Research, Andrew Lake. Uh, that's GreenvilleParanormal.com if you want to go to their site. Paranormal Granny, Kathy Kaslin and Worcester Paranormal, WorcesterParanormal.com. They are all out together at Route 44 and Profile Rock. We've got a whole bunch of people, actually, at Profile Rock. They're going to run into each other and have no idea that they're all out there together, which is awesome. <laughs> and we have uh, Mark Colacusis and Nathan Meyer uh, and some other people. They're out at the Asanet Ledge and the old Welcome Center in the Freetown State Forest. So and uh, we have John Brightman and and Joe Andrade out there as well. Uh, New England Paranormal Research is out in the uh, Freetown area as well. So it's I just can only imagine what's going to happen when they all like turn the corner and there's another investigator shining a a light in their face. <clears throat> but uh, it definitely seems like uh things are centering around the Freetown area, the Route 44 area, you know, the places that we know that Anwan uh would have frequented during his life and Kristen uh w- you know, we talked about how last week was supposed to be the anniversary of Anna Juan, but as, as you were saying in your research, it turns out that, you know, the, the date that we have is of his capture and that he actually uh, was not executed right away.
3: Oh, that's true. Yeah, he was kind of marched around all of New England. He was taken to Plymouth for a while, um, to Rhode Island, and it was about this time that he actually was executed back in Plymouth.
2: So maybe it was fate intervening to make sure that we were actually closer to the anniversary of this uh, Absolutely,
3: yeah, yeah. I expect some action there tonight. Out of every place, that's that would be the hot spot. I would think.
2: Now, normally uh, when we do this, you know, we're, we're worried about uh, a lot of the the current happenings, a lot of the current reports uh, that we talk about. You know, things that people have reported over the last few years. Uh but you do a lot of research into some of the real background stuff of the Bridgewater Triangle and I, I know that in your that was, thanks, Monies. <laughs> I know that in your uh uh in, re, in your research you found that there is a, a heavy concentration of things that happen in the Bridgewater area, but I, I gotta think too that the uh, the Freetown and Rehoboth areas pop up quite a bit as well.
3: Yep, absolutely. Uh, um I was actually at Anna One Rock, um just on the state. Two years ago, um, I don't know if I told this story the last time I was on the show about the father and his kids running out, running out of the woods. Did I tell you about that? No. All right, I was um, with Derek Gunn and Elizabeth Russell. We were about to walk down the path, and we saw three flashlights and people running like bats out of hell down the path. And it was a guy in his fifties and his two kids that were in their twenties. Um, they went there every year. On the end around that time, they'd go on the twenty eighth and then a week after um they lived in Rehoboth, And they were scared out of their minds. The guy was covered in sweat, even though it was a cool September night. And I asked them if they saw anything, and they said they did. And they saw about a hundred glowing eyes just floating on top of the rock. And I asked them to go back in and show me exactly where they saw it and they were too, they were too spooked. And they said, they actually got an EVP, um, the following, the, the year before and it said Neotomp. And they said, we have no idea what that means. And I said, well, that's Wampanoag for friend. That kind of eased them a little bit mm-hmm. and they finally agreed to go back. And the spot that they saw, the eyes, was the exact spot where Anamon was captured with his son as they lie sleeping by Benjamin Church, so that was pretty cool.
2: We'll have to check in. Uh, when, when we check in with Wheeling City Ghosts and uh, Luang Jolly a little bit later on, I think she may have gotten something similar from that area, too. Really? Yes. I, 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 I want to say, because I don't know the Wampanoag language, so I want to say that uh, that would be where I originally heard that word, was from her telling a similar story. But we'll check in with her uh, for sure a little bit later on. We we sent her to Annawan Rock because she has made quite the connection out there with the spirits that are there uh, over the course of the last few years. She went out there for the first Triangle Investigation show and got such great results that we've kind of just kept sending her back there year after year. <laughs> oh, it, cool. I look forward
3: to hearing from her.
2: We'll, we'll definitely check in with her, and uh, we, we've got numbers for everybody, so during the course of the evening, uh, we will check in with a number of them. And uh, Chris Balzano is down in Florida at Command Central, uh, posting all the tweets up there on our Twitter feed, which you can get to from the Bridgewater Triangle Project page at SpookySouthCoast.com. But I'm just going to go over some of the tweets that have been happening, because people have actually been out there since earlier tonight. Uh, so it's it's not just that we started at 10 o'clock. A lot of these groups uh, were out in the field already. So just uh, let me go over here. I'm, I'm new to all this technology myself. Uh, so uh, basically, we have uh, Base 8 Paranormal is uh, at the Fort in Plymouth, and they've already heard crying and a small boy saying, Tell Granny I'm okay. So that's wow. pretty interesting. Uh, there is a psychic out at the uh, sonnet Ledge with Mark and Nathan. Uh, they have uh, Leslie the psychic out there with them and... Uh, she knew nothing about the area. She didn't want to know anything about their going in. And she already asked if there was a suicide there. Uh, and she is waiting for Moniz's lady that's been seen out there. Uh, she's been getting a suicide, a head injury, and the name David out in the Freetown State Forest with the group calling themselves for the night the Freetown Forest Freaks. (laughs) And, uh, let's see what else we have coming up, uh. Just uh, if you want to go to it again, just go to the Bridgewater Triangle Project page at spookysouthcoast.com. I got to figure out how to work Twitter here. I think if I just use my own feed, maybe now that won't work. All right, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Fascinating radio, but uh, I mean, it is great that we can use this technology uh, for this, you know, to have people be out there and be able to real-time tweet what's going on. Uh, I think that. We might be creating enough concentration of energy anyway, just sending out all these investigators, but now we're sticking these cell phones in their pockets and giving just a little extra boost to whatever's out there. So draw that energy if you need it. And, uh, John, if you're listening, <laughs> we have the public service announcement portion of the show. John Brightman, if you're listening, Joe Andrade is at Profile Rock and he needs to get in touch with you. So, <clears throat> also, uh, if uh, your car license plate is four nine five three BR, your lights your lights are on in the uh, parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, why don't we uh, start checking in, Matt? If you want, we can check in with some of these groups uh, a little bit of the time, and I'll I'll let you decide who you want to call first. You can just uh, oh wait, we have the phone line on. Can you? I'm blanking. Can you call them while I'm talking to Kristen on the phone? I can't remember. <laughs> Let's try it, see how it goes. We'll find out. We'll happens. figure it out as we go along. This is what happens when you take a week off from the show. And I was looking at the uh, the holiday schedule too. When uh, we're gonna we're gonna be missing some shows uh, up in the holiday season. Christmas Eve is on a Saturday night, so we won't be uh, here that night. And uh, Christmas, uh, I'm sorry, New Year's Day is a Saturday. I don't see why we can't do a New Year's Day show. But uh, and then October fifteenth, we're gonna be having our haunted history night in Wareham at the Fearing Tavern. And the other historic buildings there. So we're going to actually have Chris Balzano host it. He doesn't know this yet. He's listening now. But we're going to have him host the show October 15th. We're going to send Matt back here to run, run stuff. And he's going to host the show while you and I are helping Jeff running, running that event.
4: Sounds like the plan.
2: Yeah. So whoever he's got booked for that night, he's going to have to do all the uh, show prep, as he does anyway. And uh, he'll take over that night. But if you want to buy tickets to Haunted History Night, they are only $99. You can get them by going to SpookySouthCoast.com slash event and uh, purchase them now because there's only 85 tickets that are going to be sold to this thing. So you want to make sure that you get them quickly. And you're going to get the chance to investigate the Fearing Tavern and numerous other historic buildings in Wareham, Mass. There's going to be presentations from myself, from Andrew Lake, whose new book, Ghost Hunting Southern New England, uh, is coming out. And uh, from Jeff Belanger, who you know from his many books, uh, including the recently re-released edition of The World's Most Haunted Places. And uh, we'll also have uh, dinner prepared by the Spooky crew, as well as uh, your chance to investigate all these buildings. Some of them have never been investigated before, so you don't want to miss that opportunity. And also, coming up September 25th, the South Coast Paranormal and Psychic Fair will be happening at the Seaport and Marina here in Fairhaven. It's going to be a day-long event, 11 to 7 p.m. Tickets are only $9 in advance, $10 at the door, and you're going to get just a ridiculous lineup of speakers. Uh, I'm going to be serving as the host for the event, and I'll be giving a discussion on the ghosts of the South Coast. Uh, we'll also have spirit medium Tiffany Rice will be there, John Brightman from New England Paranormal Research. Kristen, I know that you are, uh, you are scheduled to come. I don't know if you've been able to work it out, but uh, w- are you planning on making it that night?
3: Yeah, I just um, touched base with John today. We have to figure out what we're going to do.
2: Yeah, but we'll have a nice little Bridgewater Triangle roundtable with yourself and John. Yep, sounds good. And uh, we're going to have Keith and Sandra Johnson. We're going to have Shannon Sylvia, Brian Harnois, uh, Mike Markowitz. So it's going to be quite a lineup of speakers that you don't want to miss. And where else can you see all this paranormal fun for $10? There will also be psychics there available uh, to purchase readings from, and there will be craft tables and ghost hunting equipment and all kinds of things going on. So the news line is ringing. Is that, were you calling somebody on the news line? Oh, well, let's take the call. Let's find out. It might be Taylor. He he might call the news line. Go ahead, take it. Good evening, here on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hello. It's B- still me, Tim. Okay. Well, you're going to be on no matter what. Oh, okay. But uh, if the other calls come in, hello, WBSM. Once, twice, sold. Okay. Oh, it didn't work. All right, just hang up the phone. <laughs> This yeah. is going smashingly. This if is exact- you'd like to make a call. <laughs> this is exactly what I thought would happen when we started involving all this technology. So, uh, you're striking out on getting a hold of some of these groups, Matt? Is that the case? Sorry, I mean.
3: Uh,
2: kind of. Yeah. But it is the triangle. Uh, yeah, and they so are I mean, out there in the woods and various different spots, so. It is. Right, there's, there's quite a lot of dead spots out there. There is. No pun intended. <laughs> so, uh, we have. Uh, we basically have. Uh, Something like twenty twenty so twenty or so people uh out there. There goes the news lines ringing again. Alright, let's just let's just do it. <laughs> Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing?
5: Oh, it's Michael Paul
2: Hey Mark, how you doing? Good thing. Where'd you get the news line from? I don't know.
0: Spooky.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh you, you guys are out there uh in, in the uh Asana ledge area and we've been reading... the
6: Asana ledge we started on the out ledge. You know the our psychic uh, Leslie, what's your last name? Martin was Martin was getting um in presence of a, a male a teenage male head injury head trauma possible gunshot um and then there was nothing for a while so we came down to lower ledge now now she's getting the presence of a, a teenage girl who may have drowned and we're right at the bottom of the uh, of the ledge
2: at the at the edge of the court. So, I mean, it's, there definitely seems to be a lot of uh, impressions out there for it to pick up. What about those of you who aren't sensitive? I mean, what's, what's the feeling out there for, for you normal no normal uh, uh, folks?
6: It's surprisingly quiet other than mosquito noise, but no other. There was one snap of a twig out in the woods. That was it. No planes flying over. Um, the, we get no hits on K2s or nothing from camera that we've taken pictures of yet, at least so far. We're doing EVP sessions, but... We're well, obviously not going to listen on that. We'll do them later. Um, that's about it so far. It's, it's just a lot of psychic impressions. And, we uh, haven't told her anything about the place.
2: Well, I mean, I, I think it's easy, too, when you get into an area that looks like the Asanet Ledge, to say, uh, I think there were suicides here. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty obvious that there probably yeah, that's was.
6: That's what I was thinking, too. But now she's also getting the presence of uh, maybe two Native Americans off to our left, if you're looking at the, the top of, at the top of the ledge where we just were. And they were up there before," she says.
2: Well, uh, it, to me, I mean, the the thing that I'm the most concerned about is uh, it turns out we've got quite a number of uh, investigators that are kind of concentrated in the same area. So just look out for one another and keep an eye out for each other. Oh,
6: we met up with uh, with uh, Brighton and uh, and Necker, or however they pronounce it. And uh, yeah, we we already divided the uh, the, the whole <laughs>
2: the battle lines city,
6: have been, been drawn. The keys to the gates," he said. So. If we get in a jam, we can, you know, he can help us out and vice versa. we traded our phone numbers. On the way up here, there was a bunch of kids in a pickup truck that got stuck in the woods. And um, the whole thing just looked kind of shady. They had a huge four-wheel drive vehicle that they couldn't get moving in the dirt, and there were like six guys that wouldn't even get out to push it. So we got out of there, and uh, so now we're way away at the ledge, and we're not even hearing engine noise out here.
2: Well, the the great thing about the Ascenton Ledge is on a beautiful September evening like tonight. It's the perfect night for a drug deal. So, <laughs> keep an eye <laughs> out for, her. and uh, just do what you got to do. I mean, you know, you know, you know what you can do. You're a pro. Yeah, I,
6: uh, I I've seen a few videos and I've had some training. Yeah, I, I think we're all set.
2: All right. Well, stay safe out there, and if uh, if we can, we'll check back in with you later on, and uh, we can follow along with your tweets uh, at Paranormal Pirate, right?
6: Yep. Paranormal Pirate with a no e at the end because it wouldn't fit. That's so why. we'll probably wrapped.
2: That's why we're at Spooky SC. <laughs> so. There you go. All right, yeah, thanks, we'll,
6: we'll keep in touch with Twitter. That's all it's easier, and it doesn't affect the EVPs.
2: There you go. Okay, Tim. Thank you very much. everybody. We said hello.
6: We'll do. Right, bye. All right, bye. Bye.
2: And we have uh, another call here coming in from. Do we you know who this is? All right. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Uh, how you doing? Good evening. Hello. How are you? We're doing well. I hey, love you? your show, bro. Thank you.
1: Love your show. Uh, <clears throat> three guys, two years ago, I believe it was, I, I really don't know the year, Um but, but the Freetown State Forest, mm-hmm. there was a girl that was tied to a tree, I believe, and they uh, they found her skeleton and in the woods. You're Mary Lou
2: Aruda?
4: No. Wow,
1: that sounds familiar.
4: It's familiar but the but that's a wrong answer.
2: No, it wasn't Aruda the one. Aruda was, was
4: killed by a I got corrected on this the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Lou Aruda was killed by a donut maker up in... Uh, I want to say Appington but I don't think that's right. It, it's central part of uh, tip of the triangle but uh, no, that's the wrong answer. Uh, it's not Mary Lou. I know that. Okay, so
1: but there was Yes, uh, a skeleton they found actually strapped to a tree in the Freetown State Forest. I've been spooked
2: ever since. And I think Moni's. I've heard about it. I think Moni's is getting confused again. For, I think so too. I think it, I think it was Mary Lou Aruda. Because um, actually, if we can have John Brightman, when, when if we get a chance to speak to him later on, we can have him talk a little bit. Because if I remember the story right, we've talked to him on the past on the show. It was actually uh, his grandfather who discovered, he discovered the bar. Um But
3: I don't. Yeah, think... and I think Alan Ells uh, was on the case. Wow,
2: uh, but there uh, and it was uh, it was Cater that uh, was uh, ended up uh, being found guilty of that, uh, and so but we'll we'll get into a lot of this stuff a little bit later on with uh, with Chris Balzano, because there is some news that uh, just broke today regarding some of the cult killings, and I think a lot of times people uh, tie this murder in with it, uh, but this happened in November of '78, and these cult killings happened in '1980, so we'll. We'll try and figure all that out a little bit as best we can. But did did you have a question pertaining to that, sir?
1: Well, yes, I, was, I, I believe it was nineteen seventy eight. Yep, November of nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say just uh, because could we just skip date uh, at a profile rock, and we used to go in. I used to ride my dirt bike in the woods in the Sweet town State Forest years ago. And it was always, no matter what you did, you could never find your way out. It seemed like you always got lost. There was always a way to get lost. I mean, look what happened uh, was it a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, just a few weeks ago,
1: the, the state police had to go back in and find, get the cops out. They, yes. Yep. Yeah, they I mean even the cops got lost. It's just very mystical, the Freetown State Forest. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I just got up. I, you know, I want to catch a show, and I'm my voice is a little raspy, but I re- I really dig your show. Thank you very much. I, I believe it was 1978 that they found a skeleton tied in a tree, and I was always mystical about that.
2: Yeah, that That, is, uh, that, that was the Mary Lou Arruda. The other, Mary Lou Arruda, okay. The, yep. the other oh. cases uh, that... What was the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, well, the other people, hold on, I have the names here, uh, that were found dead. And these are the ones in 1980 that were associated with the satanic cult. Oh. Uh, Karen, Karen Marsden.
4: Marsden, that's what I was and, thinking And
2: uh, Levesque. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find her first name. Uh, Doreen Levesque. Uh Dorian Levesque, Barbara Ann Raposa, and Karen Marsden. Uh those were the deaths associated in the nineteen eighties. So it's but again, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about here, Kristen, where uh something happens like that and other crimes get lumped in together and it becomes part of that whole like the uh the highway killings are lumped in with all that. It's, it just seems like all the bad stuff that happens in that Freetown State Forest area is all, all tied together.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. Mary Lou Ruder's murder wasn't a cult, a cult crime, but it was absolutely horrific. And I think because there was a cross found nearby the tree that um, that she was tied to, I think that um, some people tried to tie it in to a cult crime. But I don't think there was ever any any evidence that that it was anything but a psycho that killed the little girl.
2: Well, then even to this day, he still claiming that he didn't do it so <laughs> Yep. all right well thank you very much for calling in
1: all right enjoy your evening
2: have a great night yep bye I, I didn't hit air thank you good evening you're on spooky south coast how you doing good it's uh chris Pittman. how are you doing guys hey how are you
7: i'm doing good
2: long time Hi. no speak
7: yep it's been a long time i've been busy you guys have been uh up to a lot of fun stuff i see oh yeah Kristen, how are you doing tonight good
2: how you doing
3: it's good. I'm good. It's nice to talk to you.
2: Nice to talk to you. And for, I, uh, for those who don't remember, when we talked about the Bridgewater Triangle for the first time, Chris was our st- in-guest studio, in-studio guest.
7: Yeah, I'm a big supporter of uh, everything you guys are doing and uh, always checking you guys out on the website. I think it's great.
2: Well, thank you. What's up with you? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been really busy uh, checking
7: out some uh, Native American sites in the Bridgewater Triangle area, looking for uh, artifacts, trying to understand settlement patterns and the really long history of uh, Native Americans in, in southeastern Massachusetts and in the Bridgewater area in particular.
2: Excellent. Now, the, the settlement oh. patterns are especially interesting to me because, uh, aside from you know certain things like uh, geological factors or weather factors or you know col- uh, agricultural factors, do you find that there are spots that the Native Americans uh, intentionally avoided?
7: Well, it's tough to say. You know, um, I think you know, from my perspective as a guy who mostly you know I, I exclusively look on the surface and look for look at the traces that Native Americans left on the surface of the ground. You know there are large areas that may be really rich with uh, with history, with artifacts that where you can't see the ground, where I couldn't see anything, and then other areas where I, I look and I expect to find things. And for whatever reason, those places are void. You know, uh, Native Americans lived here for 10,000 years, and I think a lot of the time when we think about Indians, we think about King Philip's War days and the names of the the Indians that interacted with the colonists around the contact period. But I think it's important to realize that there were whole cultures and one could almost say civilizations that rose and fell in those many centuries before the first Europeans got here.
2: Well, I mean, that's the whole key of this, though, is is, uh, when the Native Americans were here, you know, they experienced, at least from... Some of the stories that we've heard now, granted, these stories are coming from the white settlers from years later, but we, you know, they've had their own paranormal experiences in this area. They had their own reasons to not go into certain sites and to avoid things like the Hockamock Swamp. It's almost like no matter what we try to attribute this overarching paranormal mystery to, uh, it goes beyond just any human that was ever here.
7: Sure. You know, uh, the thing is, there's so much mystery associated with all those long centuries of prehistoric uh, habitation here there was a huge population collapse around fifteen hundred bc and it was a collapse of of a culture that was really focused right on uh, southeastern massachusetts and for whom places like the ton river watershed were incredibly important and you know what some people have theorized that it might have been a war between those that culture and other people who were here at that time or who, who arrived here that may have precipitated this, this enormous collapse, this vast loss of population and really destruction of a way of life that had existed for that time already for thousands of years. And, uh, you know, there may be sites and places associated with great and dramatic, momentous uh, events that we'll never know about, that we'll never understand, because those people didn't have a written language and they couldn't write it down.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we got to have you come in sometime and, and talk about all this stuff with us, and, and really get into the, to the deeper history uh, of what went on in this area before we have, you know, these recorded accounts. Because, and to, to me, that's that's what's the real history of this area that we never find out because we have the bias. Uh, you know, the, the history is written by the winners. And when that happens, we've had so much of what happened before the British settlers got here that's been buried.
7: You know, those people must have had great leaders and great thinkers and inventors. And I'm sure we're all really, uh, we all as a people suffer that none of that information was retained and that it's all been lost.
2: And we, we like to complain about how hard it is for us to live in this region, you know, in the, the modern <laughs> conveniences that we have. Uh, imagine what it was like for these people to live amongst nature with these harsh winters and, and the different weather patterns that we have. You know, they they must have been smarter than we are because we just hide in our houses with our air conditioners and go outside with our snow blowers.
7: And, you know, to, thinking about, you know, the big storm that we had recently and just thinking uh, you could wake up one morning in your wigwam and it was nice and sunny and a huge storm bearing down that you don't know anything about and you can't plan for it, you can't prepare for it. But I'll tell you, when I go to these sites in the Bridgewater Triangle area and I can, I can go down on my hands and knees on the ground and look at the fire cracked rock and the charcoal and their hearths and the traces of their wigwams and where they sharpened and made their tools, you know, it's really, uh, it really kind of reduces that vast gulf, you know, between us and them. For me, it helps me to, to think about what their lives must have been like, to stand right in the places, not only where they walked and hunted, but where they laid down for the night, where they slept and where they made their homes.
3: Where have you been exploring mostly lately what town um well you know i look in uh, different towns mostly what
7: i'm looking for is uh, proximity to water they uh our highways now are you know kind of analogous to how rivers were for them so they really like to stay near rivers that was their uh, their major transportation hub at that time and uh you know it's interesting i i'll go to a place and I find certain types of tools that were used by a certain culture, and then maybe I'll go to another place, maybe only a few miles away, maybe only a couple of miles away, uh, where I find artifacts that are from the same time period, but from a very different people. And what's interesting is I never find artifacts from the two cultures from the same time at the same site, and I really think that they didn't get along.
2: Well, I have to ask you, Chris, as the person that kind of picked up the mantle of the Bridgewater Triangle from Lauren Coleman and uh, the person who was doing a lot of the groundwork of this research before the whole paranormal crowd jumped in and got involved, uh, what what do you think of what's been going on in recent years with more of a focus on the triangle and uh, of of paying attention to it as a a paranormal vortex?
7: Well, you know, it's really interesting, and I think uh, something that I don't really talk about a lot and it kind of doesn't get a lot of attention is, that there really isn't that much in the way of of new uh sightings coming from people who aren't out there investigating the paranormal you know when i started my website in 1999 i used to get sighting reports every month like we're talking recent uh for instance bigfoot sighting reports that were uh full of information where i could actually go and investigate these sightings you know sometimes within days of an alleged encounter and over the years I've seen uh, less and less of that. And I al- could almost say that there's a correlation between the vast focus on this area um, from paranormal investigators and a seeming decline in some of the different kinds of activity that were so interesting for me you know way back then. And uh, why that is, I, I I suppose one could only speculate. and i I know that there are a lot of people out there who are investigating who are uncovering uh, new information, who are having experiences of their own. But um, you know, kind of the old-fashioned, some guy coming out of nowhere saying, "Look, I had this strange encounter, and I didn't know—I don't know who to talk to." I think we see we see less
3: of that today. I have to agree with that.
2: Uh, it definitely seems to be the case, and, and uh, like you said, it is—it's groups and investigators are reporting this stuff, and, and not the common folk. I just wonder if it's because you know there's so much attention paid to it now that people kind of already. Uh, they have an understanding almost of why it happened to them and therefore they don't really need to share and figure out what happened because they just look up Bridgewater Triangle online and they realize, oh, yeah, I guess this has happened to other people, so it's not that weird, that's, so that's, I'll just keep it to that's myself. A good point.
7: Well, you know, coming at this from a, a cryptozoological standpoint, there are a lot of documented cases where areas where there was a lot of uh, Bigfoot sightings reported uh, saw a decline in activity when investigators started to focus on that area. So I think there's a there's a precedent for this kind of thing happening. Of course, you know uh, it's, it's hard to prove a negative. So it's certainly possible that people are out there and, and having these encounters, and then just um, you know, like you like you suggested, hopping on the internet, finding the answers that they need, and then it ends there.
2: All right. Well, thank you for checking in, Chris. Hopefully, you can come back and join us for a full show sometime soon.
0: Sounds great. Anytime, guys. All
2: right. Thanks. Bye, thanks, Chris. Guys. That is Bye. Chris Pittman, the original. Bridgewater Triangle researcher, you know, Lauren Coleman coined the term, but Chris Chris did a lot of the work. Uh, you know, that's, Lauren comes up with the catchy, catchy names, and <laughs> 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 uh, we're just kidding, we love Lauren. We have, uh, the, the phone lines are all lit up here with uh, what I'm assuming is groups uh, that are out there, Matt, do you, you kind of know? All right, we've got Pilgrim Paranormal Research on the line, uh, so good evening, guys, thanks for uh, going out there and, and, and doing the show with us, uh, and you are out at the dog track, uh, which member of Pilgrim are we talking to? Hello?
0: Hello. Oh, sorry. Um, we're in the middle of uh, nowhere in the, in the dark.
2: That's okay. Um, that's that's the theme of the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, this is uh, Pilgrim Paranormal, and um, we have uh, both myself, Marco Sanello and uh, Patrick McAllister here. Um, we're actually going through the woods with a flare, and um, we're you know trying to track down Bigfoot. <laughs> but uh, we're not getting any hits. Uh,
7: not not can hit uh, heat signatures at all like there's no animals um,
0: there's just a bunch of insects around here
2: wow no animals at all
0: yeah, yeah it's really really
8: quiet tonight it's you, you know bugs and frogs it's about it but uh, no large uh, heat signatures on the clear. it's pretty pretty calm out here tonight.
2: Now, some of the uh, associated sightings that are seen out in that area aren't just, you know, not just Bigfoot sightings, but there's been Thunderbird sightings, there's been, you know, the the demon dog sightings, giant snakes. Uh, so there's a whole host, a whole menagerie of animals that you can encounter out there.
8: Yeah, we actually did see at one point a... Um, oh, we got someone coming towards us here in the, in the woods. <laughs> um, we did see at one point a fairly bizarre... Uh, flash of light in the sky. Um, but that's pretty much, pretty much it. It was a quick flash, went away, and that's all we've seen.
2: Alright, well, and who's coming toward you? Is it, is it human? Uh,
8: yeah, yeah, it's, uh, a quad of some sort, so, we'll figure that one out in a minute, so.
2: Okay, well, it might be, uh, EP out there checking on you, so, uh, we'll let you guys go, but, uh, definitely, are, are you guys tweeting from out in the field tonight? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so when people can follow you at P underscore P underscore R, or they can see the tweets, uh, as long as you get them over to Chris, they can see them right up on our Spooky South Coast feed on the Bridgewater Triangle page.
4: See if you can try some uh, wood knocking. Wood knocking? Yeah. Grab a big branch and start banging it against a tree. That's one of the uh, procedures used to try and lure in Bigfoot in in most uh, Bigfoot research, uh, expeditions.
2: It's also how Moniz scares kids out of his yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll give that a try and, uh, we'll check back in. We'll be following along on Twitter. Great, sounds uh, good. Thanks guys. Thank no you. All right, we got about, uh, three and a half minutes here before the news, so let's go to this line here. Uh, who, who are we checking in here? Uh, good evening you're on Spooky South Coast. Who are we talking to? Hey
0: Tim, this is, uh, Michael in Fresno, California.
2: Hey, how you doing? I guess you're not out Talk in the, the Bridgewater Triangle tonight. <laughs>
0: I wish. I really wish I do. I just want to say I love your guys' show. Thank you. Um, I've been listening about a year or so. This is actually the first time I've actually listened live. So, just want to call and see you guys doing a great job.
2: Well, thank you very much. Hopefully, you'll join us more in the live shows. And uh, normally, we are more interactive in the chat room, but we got so much stuff going on tonight that.
0: Ah, uh, no problem. And it's all interesting. I'm loving it.
2: Well, thank you so much. And uh, do, do you guys have one of these vortexes out your way?
0: I wish. Prizm is a different kind of vortex. It's a vortex of um. <laughs> no, I don't know, but. No, it's, Fresno's different. I mean, you guys have so much history back there going back to the sixteen hundreds, where here it's 1850, maybe 1825. Mm-hmm. It's is completely different. Yeah.
4: Actually, it goes um, back to the 1600s and 1500s if you include the Spanish.
0: Right. I don't think they had much of a presence here in Fresno. I, I know down south with the missions and up north, but here I don't think there was a mission. Because I know Fresno was, was settled about maybe 150 years ago. But, I mean, I, I know this goes farther back, but that's more Southern California, at least from what I've been able to find.
2: Well, hopefully, you know, you can get out here someday and check out the Triangle for yourself.
0: Hope so. That's all right, on my bucket list.
2: Well, when you come out, let us know, and we'll be glad to join you.
0: Wonderful. Thanks.
2: All right. Thank you for checking in.
0: Thanks, have a
2: good night. Alright, have a good night. I love when uh, people get the chance to check in for the first time and when they can experience spooky TV and see what's going on. Normally we're switching around the camera angles and we're having a lot of fun with that, but you know, there's so much going on that we're kind of just trying to get through the show. But, uh, you know, it's becoming something that I think is you know, a destination point for people and people who listen to the show on podcasts, they might not realize that it, it is really easy on a Saturday night. Just turn on your computer or in some cases your smartphone, depending on if your phone can handle it. And you can just go right on the spooky TV site and you can see what's going on in the studio. You can listen to the show that way and you can chat along with uh, other fans of the show. Uh, there's people from all over the world in the chat room. You'll start talking to somebody. Next thing you know, you find out they're from Australia. They're from New Zealand. They're from Japan. You know, it's uh, it's amazing, and we're glad that we can bring everybody together. We're glad that we can bring this show to you every year where you can experience a little bit of what we get to experience all the time with the Bridgewater Triangle being right in our own backyard. This paranormal vortex where so many different reports have happened. We're going to take a break. Coming up for the news, when we come back, we'll have more with our guest, Kristen Good, on the line, uh, who's joining us as we run this circus. That is the annual annual Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show. Uh, But coming up right after the news, we want to check in with Chris Balzano, who's down there in Command Central in Florida. uh, Actually putting up all the tweets. We've got pictures up there on the triangle page on spookysouthcoast.com that are coming in there's other evidence that's rolling in the twitter feed is up there so you want to check all that out but chris is going to have some breaking news for us regarding some of those cult cases of 1980 that we talked about earlier in the show somebody who was associated with those crimes is now in police custody and it may turn into something huge so stay tuned we'll be right back with more after the news here on spooky south coast
3: Two liter bottle of Shasta and my all rush mixtape. Let's rock. I can smell
0: your tears. I'm not afraid. You.
1: supernatural
2: or something that isn't supposed to Alright, welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, our annual Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Special. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, and joining us in the studio when he's normally out in the field, for this show is Matt Moniz, our science advisor. Uh, we just we needed the help tonight. <laughs> we've got so much going on.
4: Not that I'm much help tonight.
2: <laughs> well, we've got so much stuff happening with uh, people out in the field investigating and uh, checking in on Twitter. If you go to spooky south coast.com, you can click on the Bridgewater Triangle Project link and you can get the Twitter feed. And then in a separate window, go ahead and open up Spooky TV and you can watch what's going on uh, here in the Spooky Studio and join in the chat room as well. And that's the way to do it. I mean, you just lay out four or five tabs, open up on your computer, and you can follow everything Bridgewater Triangle for tonight. And uh, we have Kristen Good, who is one of the Bridgewater Triangle researchers, along with Manny that She is on the phone with us. And now also joining us on the line is our show's content director, Chris Balzano, who is running Command Central down there in Florida. Uh, Chris, uh, you've been doing a great job getting those tweets up there, and I saw that there's uh, some evidence rolling in as well. Uh, it just seems like uh, this this technology stuff is kind of working out. Except for the phones,
8: if, if we can learn a little bit more about what exactly uh, is the announcer of some of this technology, but it's really, you know, it's interesting because in in uh, in talking with um, Warren Coleman back in the day, he, he had always said that the Bridgewater Triangle and his kind of layout of it, um, the Mysterious America, was meant to be a template uh, for other people to follow, and it's really interesting that tonight that seems to be just what's going on. Like we're taking this template that he created that's kind of gone through. Uh, those people who gave it kind of alive, and and Pittman and I in the uh, in the late '90s and the early 2000s, and now all these other groups are out there, and it's and it's amazing to see that, you know, we're getting all this different kind of research, we're expanding kind of our information, uh, and now we're also expanding how we're looking for it and how we're communicating it back to people. So it's it's all very interesting to kind of sit back and be actively involved in what's going on.
2: See, I think I have figured out the uh, the trick to using all this technology to our advantage. Next year, we have a 13-year-old kid come in, <laughs> <laughs> and he or she can just basically teach us how to do it or just do it for us during the course of the show. We have a, a loyal fan, a loyal listener named Lara, who's uh, very good at social media, so maybe we can get her to come in and help out next year, uh, and she can help us get all this stuff under wraps. And, you know, we'll we'll be a year older and a year wiser. So,
8: And, of course, by that time, a new technology will be around that we don't understand. That would have made it too.
2: even better. I, I hear that uh, the year 2000 is going to bring some lots of innovations. <laughs> so I'm just waiting to figure out how to use those. And uh, you know, we remember the old days when we used to consider ourselves like technologically advanced. What happened to us? I don't know. It was it was really funny. I was actually
8: listening to my first um, my first uh, appearance on Spooky South Coast the other night. Oh, you were terrible. We were so serious. <laughs> we were throwing out words like socioeconomic, and we were like, you know, all will you know talk about this very seriously. Neither of us wanted to blink that. You no know, there is an aspect of this that is and always will be you know engaging on a non serious level on like a, a you know a, a, a joking around on a human level on a story level and it's just good to see that you know um, we've kind of caught up with ourselves and and the stuff that's going on out there by the way we approach it now
2: absolutely and uh one one thing that I've noticed too is as the years go on as we do this uh it becomes less and less there's less and less of a need to really explain what we're talking about. We just say Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show, and people know what we're talking about. People know what to expect. Uh, so it seems like the research that yourself and Chris and Lauren have all done, uh, you know, it seems to have embedded itself in the mind of the public. So,
8: Yeah, I think the other interesting thing is that if you go back and listen to that first show and even some of the other shows, which are kind of all up there for you guys to, to listen to, um, you know, there was almost no talk of psychics. Of impressions, of anything like that. And and tonight it seems a lot of the information coming through uh, is coming through, uh, like John was talking about earlier, psychic impressions or Clara audio, uh, which is like clairvoyant audio things that are going on. So it's interesting how we've kind of come uh, uh, back on the circle of, of less of the technology and more of the impression that people are getting from the triangle, which, you know, can be argued is the most powerful kind of, you know, background of it.
2: And and Kristen, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that you've been in contact uh, over the course of your research with many of the same investigators uh, that we're talking to tonight, and it seems like the people who uh, pay attention to the Bridgewater Triangle, it's not just that they want to capture the paranormal, but they have a respect for the history and for, uh, you you know, whatever the overlying cause is of all this activity. They they seem to treat it with uh, great reverence.
3: I have to agree with that, Absolutely.
2: And uh, and of course, you know we always do. We, are, I mean, even when we don't take it seriously, we we are serious about it. And uh, one of the things that uh, we've followed along over the course of the years is some of the things that have gone on in the Freetown State Forest and in that area. And Chris, uh, you wrote a whole book about it called "Dark Woods: Cults, Crime, and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest," and you talked about some of these cult activities that happened. And we actually have breaking news regarding that uh, from earlier today. Why don't you share everybody uh, what happened?
8: Sure. Um, Actually, uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Fall River, the the Herald News posted that Robin Murphy, um, who is obviously closely linked to the case, uh, has been arrested. Um, And she was its nothing to, on the surface at least, it's nothing too sexy. It was she was um, with someone who was a convicted felon that breaks her parole. Um, And so she has been uh, put back in jail. Now, this happened back in July, but for some reason it's just coming out now. I'm not sure if they... Um, if they served her a warrant recently, unfortunately, oddly enough, the Herald News is the only people that are covering this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has uh, she's back in jail, and you know there, the the article itself is actually probably more telling than the fact that she is. I mean, it's uh, you know she was on um, you know she pleaded guilty to second degree murder. She was in jail uh, for life with the possibility of parole. The parole she got in two thousand four, uh, this revokes that. So technically, in theory. Uh, in late September, when she goes to trial, they're deciding whether or not to put her back in jail for the rest of her life. Um, but of course, she will then be eligible for parole again uh, at some time down the future. Um, but what's really interesting about the article itself is that uh, the plan has totally changed. When I when I first started reading this, uh, Robin Murphy was um, was an informant. Uh, she was involved in the case. Um, if, you, if you read uh, a lot of the, 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 the books and the articles that were written uh, back in the day, it was, you know, she was a very dynamic figure, but she was secondary to Carl Drew. Um, and the tone of this recent article, um, and, and we'll be posting this up at Spooky South Coast so people can, can get it and it will definitely be on our Twitter feed, um, is, is <laughs> that she's, she was a mastermind of everything, which has always been implied. But the, this article reads as if, like, the killer who did this, is back in jail, um, and, and it's kind of, and then Carl Drew's mentioned a little bit, but it's really kind of this focus on Robin Murphy as being the mastermind of everything, which has been in the Yeah, that's the minds an interesting of little twist for the media, how they've
3: they played this.
8: Cause right, they've... right. It, it's definitely been in the minds of people uh, for for at least, you know, the past decade, uh, and Carl Drew's been very vocal in beginning the out there, and a lot of the police that were involved in the case have kind of turned it around. Um, but this is really the first time that it's the, the public face of the case itself um, that's being presented, like you're saying, the uh, odd, you know, slant of the media is portraying Robin Murphy as being the murderer, and everyone else as being secondary.
3: Yeah, Alan Alles I think has always believed that she was the mastermind. Alan Alles was the the cult cop who who solved these these
8: cult crimes in Freetown Forest.
3: Right, and, and, and he
8: described and her as pure evil. And most of, and most of the people involved have kind of felt that same way, other than the police and the district attorney who were very quick um, because, you know, it makes it it a lot easier of a package to say there was a pimp, uh, murders happened, he, you know, uh, closed everything in in Satanism, we actually have a witness here who says it, and therefore let's wrap up the case. But like you were saying, Alan Alves and and almost everyone else that I've talked to involved in the case really think that, that she was the primary person.
2: Well, and in the story from the Herald News, which I, I just did put up on the Twitter feed if people want to check it out, uh, but in this story uh, they speak with uh, de- retired former Detective Sergeant Paul Carey uh, who was actually uh, involved in the case, and he thinks that hopefully this means that they could possibly uh bring her back on trial for the murder of Doreen Levesque because uh, from what I'm reading from the story, and Chris, you would probably know better than I, um, she turned state's evidence in for one of the murders, uh, but recanted her testimony for the other one, so she could theoretically still be charged for that?
8: Uh, yeah, yeah, she can. I mean, I believe one was, um, uh, one was placed on, I can't remember his name right now, but he was, um, he was the girlfriend of one of them. He, he was convicted. He died in jail. Um, but the, uh, the other one's kind of open, and so they're looking to see if they can pin this on her. I mean, I think that that's wishful thinking, um, you know, it, it, it sounds very um, it sounds very romantic to say it in the in the article itself, and we I would love to see some kind of justice for that murder, which has really been unsolved. Um,
2: and that was Andre so everyone, Andre Maltese you were talking about, right?
8: Yes, yes, uh-huh. Maltese. Um, everyone, every, you know, everyone wants closure to it, and everyone feels like there is kind of some closure to it until, until you look at it and say, like, actually, no, Dorian Levesque never got justice. Um, so I think that it would be amazing if they did do that, but. I mean, this has been a sore spot for uh, the district attorneys um, in that area for, you know, decades. And I think they really just kind of want to wash over it. And I, I'm probably, um, you know, uh, I believe it's Sam Sutter now. Is, I think he, he wants the whole thing to go away now. actually, He's probably kind of uh, aggravated that she's been caught in back in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really is something that has killed uh, the careers of the district attorneys from, from Pena all the way through. And, and And even though, you know, when Sutter came into office, he he talked about, uh, you know, closing this case and closing the highway murders, and and, uh, he really hasn't done anything actively except for, like, his first few months in office to do that. And I think right now it's a sore spot. So I don't think you're going to see people digging up Levesque's body anytime soon. And, Chris, I think it's
3: worth mentioning what um, Robin's job was that she got in the last year. (laughs)
8: <laughs> Let's just put it this way: I'm, I'm glad I'm down here in Florida. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah, because Florida is way more saner.
8: Oh yeah, <laughs> wicked smart. Yeah, she was with the state auditor's office. So, um, you know, she was. Uh, and I remember um, that someone had had uh, told us, uh, you know, at least a year ago now that they had seen her in that office. And they were like, "I think I saw Robin Murphy." And then we had kind of broken that 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 she was working and that we were paying her salary. A huge salary. Hmm. Well, pretty, A pretty good salary for for a murderer.
2: We'll see uh, what happens with this story. We'll keep uh, an eye on it, of course, as we always do. Chris does a great job of uh, keeping an eye on all these things for us. Uh, but, you know, uh, I hate to say it, man. We might reach a point where we're going to have to go on these airwaves and say, you know what, eh, Carl Drew was right. And he'll yeah. love that. He will love that.
8: Well, you know, I mean, I think that we've been saying that on these airwaves. Um you know, at least since 2005, when, when, uh, when I was coming on, and, and we had Alan on, he said it. Um, you know, and I think that it's really, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 crazy to think uh, because he fit the part so well, um, but he was the ultimate fall guy. I mean, he was re- he was a really good scapegoat, a really good a sacrificial lamb. I'm going to see how many things that can relate to Satanism I'm going to throw out here, that <laughs> for analogies, but I mean, it really. I don't think he'll ever get out of jail. I don't think there'll ever be enough evidence, only because they can never go back um, to, uh, to Martin's murder and say that, you know, there's new evidence of that that frees him of that, because that's what he was convicted of.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: So I think it's going to be a, a very long time that Carl Drew's going to be in jail, and, and I don't think that he's ever going to get out. It would be great to see Robin Murphy um, get her, so, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, the ch- I mean, it's, it's, it's the kind ch- of this, you know, it, it, it's, it's part of the triangle lore now. You know, this mm-hmm. whole thing of this, of this killer who might have duped everybody, and, and you see all of the, the primary people, you know, on, 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 on talk shows and on, uh, on specials, on, you know, crime programs on television, and all, they all are still painting Carl Drew, and yet everyone who didn't have a financial stake in it all say that, that you know, it, this thing played out the wrong way.
3: Uh-huh. Well, did you know that she was romantically involved with Karen Marston?
8: They were lovers. Well, I mean, I know that she, um, you know, and there was actually a triangle with her, with those two, and then uh, another woman whose name I can't remember, who was the the owner of the apartment that a lot of the uh, ceremonies, uh, the satanic ceremonies they had were were um, played out. And so there was this, and I think any, Romantic connection was probably complete manipulation. And you have to remember that Marston was going, was a snitch in the making. She mm-hmm. was the one that was going to blow it all up. So but
3: Marston it... really honestly trusted Murphy, really and truly, and she was madly in love with her. And as, as Robin was killing her, she was performing oral sex on her, kissing her before she sliced her, her neck, and then cut her head off. Um, she's completely evil and psychotic, and, you know, Carl Drew's guilty, but I don't believe he was the ringleader.
2: Well, and it does kind of prove everybody's point that auditors are evil. (laughs) <laughs> well, we we do need to move on a little bit. We will definitely keep up with this story uh, as more news comes about. And, uh, Chris, I know you were trying to get in contact with uh, Kevin P. O'Connor, who wrote the story uh, for the Fall River Herald News, and we'll we'll see if uh, he can keep us up to date. And I'm sure Lauren Coleman will be uh, keeping an eye on it as well. So, And, uh, like I said, I tweeted the, the news story, and if anything else follows uh, up in the next few days, we'll have that up there as well. Uh, but let's check back in with some of these teams. We have somebody that's been uh, on hold for a little while. Let's see if they're still there or if a bear got them. That bear's still loose, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, should have thought of that before we did that. And then, of course, you know, the night before we do this, the first Triple E case is confirmed in Massachusetts. So, all right, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hey, Tim. What's going on? It's
5: John Brightman. Hey,
2: John. And uh, well, I, I hear that. Uh, did, did you get my, my message? Did you get a hold of Joe? Because he's been trying to get a hold of you.
5: No, I didn't get your message. It's the first time I've gotten service since we've been out here.
2: Okay, well, I'd said on the air, uh, you know, John Brightman, Joe's paging you, but uh, he says for you to definitely get in touch with him. Uh, he's over there at The Rock, so...
5: Okay. Yeah, this is the uh, first time we've gotten service. Uh, we've been up at the underground cave, and we've been to the shack, um, and now we're just leaving the pet cemetery right now um, up here in the forest. So not too much going on at the underground cave. we got a couple of... We had hits with the thermal um, that I sent over to uh, uh, Chris, and uh, then we got uh, up at the shack. We were actually getting footsteps. We just uh, purchased some real-time EVP recorders, and we had both of them running, and we could hear footsteps moving around us, but not too sure where they were coming from, just somewhere around us. And then we got a few spikes on the K two, but nothing, you know, outstanding. Well, but it's did, been pretty quiet.
2: Did, did you hear the news that we were discussing with, with Chris and Kristen uh, before you called in uh, about Robin Murphy?
5: Actually, I did, and I actually found out about it today, and I actually sent a message to Chris earlier today telling him about it, too, because I didn't know if he had heard.
2: And we got a call earlier in the, the night. Uh, a caller had called in asking about Mary Lou Arruda, and, uh, and you, your family had a personal connection to that case, right?
5: Yes, correct. The, um, my grandfather happened to be driving down Copacut Road, when two kids ran out of the woods saying that they found a body tied to the tree. So then that's when, you know, he didn't believe them. He parked his truck, walked in with them. They showed him. He got back in his truck and went to the nearest house to call the cops.
2: So, uh, it definitely, you know, it's strange the connections that we've made to the, to these cases. Uh, but it seems to have permeated kind of to the next generation and has brought all of us involved into it.
5: Absolutely. You know, it has and uh, you know, with, with him, With us being able to get into the forest like we do and be able to check a lot of these locations out, it makes it great for us to be able to investigate it and share it with you guys for the show and people who might not be able to get out here that really don't know where the shack is or the Pet Cemetery.
2: Well, and you're going to stick out in that area for the rest of the night?
5: Yeah, we're actually um, we're going to leave the cemetery right now. We're going to check on one of the other groups um, down by uh, the ledge just to see how they're making out. And because uh, they were talking about hiking and not driving, and so we were a little concerned with them. But uh, we're going to check on them, <laughs> and then we're going to head up actually over to Profile Rock and go up on top of the rock and see what we can get going on over there.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much, John Brightman, New England Paranormal Research. And uh, if we don't get a chance to check back in with you, you can always send the tweets over to Chris, or you can tweet them or whatever you got to do. But we know that uh, you're technologically advanced, unlike us. So.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. Thank Thanks, you very John. much. Bye, John. We'll talk to you later.
2: Bye. Take care. That is John Brightman, NEPR, and uh, he'll be speaking at the February 25th event uh, for sure, and he'll be selling some of his equipment too. So some of the stuff that he's talking about, if you want to get your hands on it, you want to come and see him at that event at the Seaport Inn on February 25th. And uh, we do have some other groups that we need to check in with. Uh, Matt, I'm going to put you on the case here. We want to check in with Wailing City Ghosts and Bay State Paranormal for sure. Uh, and I don't know. We can try and get a hold of, uh, of uh, the group with uh, Andy. Two, I don't know where if they're going to have set, uh, reception where they are. Um, Base
8: Day Paranormal seems to be getting uh, just a ton of evidence, uh, you know, in part because they've got Markowitz out there with them. But they're, if you're checking the Twitter feed, they're the ones that I'm getting uh, the most information from, and uh, they just seem to be getting a ton, especially of, of EVP evidence. Yeah,
2: well, well uh, while Matt's trying to get them on the phone, let's talk about some of the things that have been coming in on the Twitter feed uh, because I noticed Base Day Paranormal's been putting up some photos and he's been talking about some of uh, what they found uh, up there, so why don't you kind of just give people a brief rundown, and then we'll have them on to kind of discuss it a little bit more.
8: Sure. They are at uh, Burial Hill um, in, in Plymouth. Um, they're getting a, like I said, they got, um, as soon as they entered the fort, uh, which is there, they heard uh, uh, crying. Then they actually got, um, this was once again from a Claire Clair audio, as they call it. I don't know if that's an actual paranormal term other people use, but uh, it, felt, it said, tell Granny I'm okay. Um, and then it seems like, you know, they've gotten, um, they've, they've heard footsteps, they've gotten a yes in response to a question. Um, psychically, they're getting some kind of impression, um, of, of maybe sisters out of there, or a woman who's looking for her sister, um, that might actually be another ghost that they've made contact with. Um, they've heard 14-year-old boys, they heard, uh, who was shot in the 1800s, uh, the name Gab, uh, or Gabby, um, and then uh, they recently, um... Uh, Mike Markowitz just uh, texted a little bit ago and said that um, that he is getting a ton of you know he's got those EVP and then the EVP ears as he calls them, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that he's getting evidence from that and he's getting a um, he's getting a lot of voices in his in you know that he can he can tell he's picking something up but he hasn't had a chance to analyze them yet but he's also hearing them with his special Markowitz ears.
2: All right, well let's uh, go to the phones here. We have a call. Uh, good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast, how you doing? Hello? Hi.
9: Hi, sorry, I'm getting not so good reception here.
2: Okay, who are we talking to? Uh, this is Rachel from Bay State. Hey, Rachel, good, we were trying to, we were hoping we could get in touch with you. Chris was just talking about some of the stuff that's been coming through on the Twitter feed from you guys, and it it sounds like you're having quite the active night out there at Burial Hill. Yeah, but I tell
9: you, it's really, it's really hard to tweet and, uh, and look at the same time. I was <laughs> trying to do it without our without our flashlights, and I've got the bright light from my phone at the same time. But um, yeah, so we have two uh, we have our two psychics um, out here with us, and they were giving us you know our, their impression I we went over a little bit of the um, the history of uh, where we were and um, and the different places um, you know like what uh, people have reported. Then. Um, We had a a group of people down at the square and then a couple of people up here on the uh, burial hill, and now we've all sort of come together and we're going to the different spots that the psychics are getting uh, impressions off of.
2: And uh, aside from the Triangle investigation tonight, uh, we did have questions coming up in the chat room wondering how the Exeter UFO Festival was.
9: Oh, it was really good. We weren't there for very long because we had to make it back. Yeah, we had to make it back to to this in Plymouth. Uh, but we saw, um, September, guys, or September something, and it was a, um, a film that these two, uh, people did regarding a, uh, the UFO abduction with Betty and Barney Hill, and, um, another abduct, not an abduction, but another sighting, multiple sightings there in, uh, in Exeter. It was pretty cool. Well,
2: and, I'm sorry that we had made you rush back uh, with the the change in the schedule and everything, but uh, I'm glad that you could get out there to a site that I've been wanting to go to and haven't had a chance to. I grew up in Plymouth. I lived there for some years when I was younger, and it always had a, a nice, strange vibe for me. But tying it into tonight's theme with the idea of Anawan's capture and, and eventual uh, killing, I mean, it, it was no secret that... Uh, Plymouth was the place where, when they wanted to make an example out of some of these Native Americans, that's where they brought them, humiliated them, and eventually would, you know, execute them. Uh, do you, I know that you've been picking up other stuff, but I mean, has there been any kind of mention of Native American presence from any of the psychics there?
9: No Native Americans, but lots of um, Pilgrim presence. And um, Paula, actually, when we were over at the site of the fort. She got um, an impression of people praying within the fort, sort of praying like hoping that, you know, they'll be protected from, you know, the, the war that had ensued. So she did get that, but no no real Native American presence, no.
2: Well, now, what's the, what's the plan? Are you going to stick in that general area? Are you going to check out some of the other sites? Well, we,
9: um, one of the reports up here on Burial Hill was um, a report of shadow people. And uh, and because there's so many lights and cars passing by, you know, you you get a lot of of shadows anyway. But you know, I actually did see one on the other side of the um, when we were on the other side of the uh, cemetery, and it was um it was by the tree. So you know, it was somebody that it looked like somebody had poked their head out, looked, and then you know went back on the other side of the tree. Um, but when we went over there, there was there was nothing that would have made that shadow. So now we're kind of uh, going around the cemetery just kind of seeing where, you know, the different people are drawn to, not not just so much the psychics, but pretty much, you know, all of us. Like if somebody, you know, if two people say, you know, I'm drawn to this area, then we all go that way, turn our flashlights off and just kind of sit there and, and watch and observe.
2: Now, if you are standing on Burial Hill uh, and you're facing kind of, oh, I don't know, like north, uh and you go you see across Samuset, you can see, you can probably see from where you are the the faith monument the forefathers monument and uh that's where i had some experiences when i was younger i i had a sighting there um so that might be a good spot to kind of keep an eye on and also where the wax museum is uh Cole's Hill that's where there's a number of um, early settlers were buried there uh from that first winter yes there's
9: actually a house there that supposedly the it was um, touted as the most haunted house in Plymouth. I actually went to court. It was in uh, Jeff Bolander's book there. Um, I
2: know, yeah, I, I wrote I that article.
9: Oh, all right. So, yeah. So if, it, if, it, was in it, Je- if it
2: was in Jeff's book, Chris probably wrote it.
9: Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, so that was, in, that was another spot. We'd actually gone um, over there a couple of days ago. So we um, probably hit that way, too, just kind of walk around downtown Plymouth because when we first, first got here, Linda Marie had gotten... Um, an impression of sort of pilgrims walking up Leiden Street, or people in period clothing walking up Leiden Street. So, well, you know, when we leave here, we'll probably walk up Leiden Street and around um, Cole's Hill.
2: That wasn't an impression. That was colonial lantern tours. They're friends of ours. <laughs> oh, then we said
9: hi. Yeah, but not everybody dresses up in period clothing there. <laughs> and I just wanted to
2: work work in a nice plug for Tom and the group over there, so. Ah, uh, okay. It's not, it's not getting a little plug for them. We'll uh, definitely keep us up to date, and uh, keep updating Chris, and he'll get it up there on the feed. But uh, it sounds like you guys are going to have some great evidence to, to turn in, and I know Mike, you know, everywhere he goes, <laughs> he's the man. When that's, it comes a, to that's right, he is. He's the master. And you've got, you've got quite the group out there tonight. You've got like an all-star team out there, so I'm sure that there'll be a, a lot of evidence uh, coming up from this. Yeah, we do. We actually have people from four different groups here, believe it or not, so... Pretty cool. And for those listening in other areas, other parts of the country, and other parts of the world, see, paranormal groups can all get along. That's
9: right. We're all going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya later. Yeah,
2: that (laughs) definitely comes later. I learned learned the chords, so we're all set. All right, have a great night. Stay safe, and uh, we'll keep checking in on Twitter. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Right. That is uh, Bay State Paranormal. They are out there in Plymouth at Burial Hill. And uh, we do have a few groups that we do want to try and check in with. We're trying to get a hold of. Uh, we, we'd like to talk to Wailing City Ghosts, who have been out there at Anawan Rock. And since we are uh, focusing on the anniversary of Annawan's capture and execution, you know, we'd like to talk with, with uh, Luann out there if we can get a hold of them. Uh, also, uh, Andy is out there with uh, our friend Andrew Lake is out there with Kathy Cows and the Paranormal Granny and uh, Worcester Paranormal. They're all out there along Route 44. And uh, we have uh, just so many great guests. I mean, Joe DeAndre, we were going to check in with him, but I think, uh, I think we're kind of running low on time. Um, maybe, you know, we can get him back for a- another show. And Kristen, I know that you and Manny have been working with Joe uh, and getting a lot of his information. Maybe some night we can have you guys come in with him uh, if we can find a night that works for everybody.
3: Yeah, that sounds great, and I'm dying to hear what happened to at forefathers' monument. You'll
2: have to tell me that someday. Oh, it was. I was. Um, I, I shared this uh, last year on our Plymouth show, but uh, my dad used to do an early morning paper route, and I went with him one morning. And I uh, was uh, walking around. You know, he used to let me go up there and check out the sunrise from there, and he would take a little ten minute nap uh, in the car after he was done. And so I was up there like hanging out, watching the sunrise, and. When I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I turned around, I, I thought it was my dad messing with me. Uh, when I went back to the car, he was still asleep, and we looked around; there was nobody there. So,
3: yeah, that definitely has a um, really, really strong presence. And...
2: There's such a vibe there, and I found out so much stuff about that in later years. Yeah, me
3: too. <laughs> I'm convinced there's something buried inside of it, and that it, and that it's not solid.
2: I would not it's, be surprised.
3: It's supposed to be the, the tallest monument in the United States, solid granite, but um, I felt draft comes through the cracks. The so thing's not
2: solid. The Washington Monument isn't granite? Huh? The Washington Monument's not granite? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but not, this, is the,
3: this is the tallest solid granite monument in the United States. Oh, that's true. The,
2: the Washington Monument's hollow, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, next time I'm there I'll just crack it open and I'll take a peek inside. Alright, please do. No, <laughs> I will not do that. But uh we we definitely uh we definitely can do another whole show and we probably will on Plymouth and just some of the haunted sites around there. Uh maybe we'll do one of these shows, you know like our triangle show, maybe we'll do one around some of these sites of Plymouth. Yeah.
3: Uh, because Plymouth there's, an, there's a lot of energy.
2: And, uh, Chris, uh, while we have you and while we're trying to get a hold of some of these groups, I do want to mention that we were talking earlier this week. uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much, but we might have an interesting new show coming to Spooky TV uh, hosted by a good friend of yours uh, from right here in the South Coast region. Uh, It might be pretty exciting to have a show that's going to emanate live every week from an actual haunted house.
8: No way. Yeah, that was crazy when I heard uh, Kate and Johnny, who um, have been on the show, uh, it's known as the Samuel West house but we all call it Kate and Johnny's house um, she's kind of volunteered to, uh, to talk about what's been going on in her house and what's been going on on a retweet basis and, and hopefully the show involves you know some of the evidence that people have gotten there uh, over the years but it's a uh, you know she's she could just host a show herself. She's just such an amazing personality. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what that uh, show develops into.
2: And I like the idea of being able to check in week to week and finding out what's been going on in this haunted house and find out what kind of activity has been happening. And maybe, you know, by doing the show, it'll it'll either increase or you know, it'll it'll kind of give her more to talk about on the show. Not that she doesn't have plenty to talk about already.
8: <laughs> yeah, it's this really interesting. You know, um, I hate to use this term, but really interesting crossroads. Of, uh, of stuff that went on there, because there seems to be history there. Um, it used to be a funeral parlor. It's right on the on the edge of a kind of uh, almost like a hospice community. Uh, she calls it, you know, death's uh, death's waiting room. Um, so there might be stuff going in there, but every time we've gone in there and every, you know, people that i talked to that have gone in there, they always seem to get some amazing kind of evidence. And it, it's still my favorite EVP of all time was... Uh, was when it went Matthew when Moniz and I went in there. Still the eerie one, which, as I've said before, uh, for anyone that that listens to the old version, the old shows, was caught not by like me in a, in a darkened room like going over EVPs, but you know a room full of noisy you know teenagers as I was evaluating evidence in my uh, when I was teaching you know paranormal investigation to my to high school students a few years ago. It was that loud and that obvious, and we was caught so much really interesting solid material and you know some of it is kind of like you know up there for evaluation because it's you know he, they had that um guy who was, who was living on the second floor who might have faked some of it because he wanted to get on paranormal shows um but even through all that even with him gone and even in things that he wasn't involved in there's still a lot going on in that house and so there's a great history to it and also a great present to it
4: hey chris what about the other evp that's on picture yourself ghost hunting
8: yeah, and that's that just kind of like, you know, um, the insane part of it. Yeah, uh, Andy Lake, when he was editing uh, the DVD that comes with Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting, caught a guy yelling about an airplane. Uh, and Moniz and some of his friends found out later that there was an airplane crash that happened right near that that resulted in fatalities. And, and, and it's that kind of weird stuff that, that comes out of that house. That's just, and, and let's not forget, that was also the house that Markowitz caught the ghosts talking to each other about the investigators. Telling them to stop talking—that we were, they were being recorded, that we were looking for EVPs, um, you know—and kind of older people yelling at the younger people to stop making noise so they wouldn't be able to to capture uh, voices on on, uh, on on audio tape. And so it was—it really is this crazy, crazy house. So uh, I'm interested to see what where we can get done with that.
2: All right. Well, uh, we do have a uh, call on the line here, probably from one of our investigating groups. Uh, good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Who are we talking to?
10: Hey, Tim, it's Luann hey, from Willow
2: City Ghost. We've, uh, the chat room has been anxiously awaiting your appearance. They're, they're dying to find out what's been going on out there.
10: Oh, we've been having a great night tonight. We actually here at Astor at Pond in Lakeville where Sassamon was found mm-hmm. dead, and they suspect that he was murdered by the Wampanoags for betraying him. Um, and now we have been over here at Anna One Rock for about an hour. And we're with Andrew Lake and the Paranormal Granny. And I do know that uh, Crystal did have some battery failure tonight, and um, one of the other girls with Andrew has caught a, a very strange light anomaly that she actually did see with her eyes and was lucky enough to catch with the camera, too. So we're just kind of staking out the top of the rock and hoping that they make contact.
2: And you've had success there in the past. Uh, we were talking with Kristen Good, who's on the line with us as well, and uh, she was sharing a story that somebody had an experience there as well, with, uh, complete with some uh, Wampanoag language being spoken. And, uh, Kristen, why don't you just recount the story quickly for Luann, and she can see if it's similar to what's happened to her. Sure. I was
3: there about two years ago, um, right around this time of year, and there was a man and his um, two kids running out of the woods. They had just seen a hundred eyes floating above the rock, and um, the year before they got an EVP around the same time of the year, the same time of year, and it said neotomp, but they didn't know what that meant. But I told them what it meant, and, and that kind of eased them a little bit because they were really freaked out.
2: <laughs> and that's kind of similar to what's happened to you out there before, right? Have you have you captured that word out there before? Um, actually,
10: what I caught up here was pog which is similar, it's close. Um, you know, actually, Ketanpag is friend or kinsman, um, and actually plural, Nitamp uh, means brother. And oh, brother? would be brother or brother.
2: Oh, Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, do we, would it's you assume... that you
10: saw a man with children running out of the woods, and that would actually to be something that would be very common i would say up here because these were families these were children and you know the last of them so that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to me
2: would you say that that's maybe the spirits reaching out and kind of uh trying to extend you know brotherly love to us or do you think that it's you know communication amongst themselves maybe
10: that's hard to say because they they do seem to be friendly spirits you don't feel threatened out here um, but whether it's maybe communication between one spirit to another or if they're reaching out to us in brotherhood, that, that would be hard to say. But I, I do feel like they're, they're very forgiving and friendly up here. I'm well,
2: glad they don't, uh, they don't,
8: they don't blame That sounds a lot like uh, the Tai Pai Wonka's. So it's interesting that you, you're getting a, people are getting a positive feeling, not a, not a lost or negative feeling.
3: It's a, it's a really peaceful place. You have to experience it. It's just um, I've never felt anything negative there, myself. No,
10: no, me either. I I also kind of think it's it's the person too. You know, if you're someone who has a lot of respect for the people or just people in general, you know, then I think you're going to have a positive response up here. If if you're negative or you know have have a bad view of like the Indians, then I think you could possibly get a negative reaction from them.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think because I some people
10: have actually come out and felt threatened.
8: I've always I've always gone there in the daytime, and so I've never gotten a negative feeling from it. And actually, most times I get pretty much a, a neutral feeling from it. Um, but I, I don't know if that if, if if the mood changes at night, or you know I'm just not receptive, which I generally am not <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
8: to uh to feelings like that sometimes. So you know it's it's um it's it's uh it's definitely some place that especially you, Luann, always get something when you're there.
10: Yeah, well, we'll keep our fingers for us. Are you part Native American? Um, Slightly, Um, just a little bit of Iroquois, but, you know, the the Algonquins were sort of all related anyways. They all did know each other, so, you know, Mm -hmm. we've we've actually wondered if maybe that helped a little bit. Um, Because the first time we came out here, I was actually with gabby and she also has a little bit of indian in her too so you know is it possible that they can feel that i don't know you know and maybe it does make a difference maybe if you know one of the descendants of the people who actually helped to bring the tribe down came out here maybe they would get a different response than we do
2: Mm Mm-hmm. all right well uh hopefully now when you were at uh Asawampse Pond. You didn't run into any puckwajis, did you? Because that's supposedly where they took down uh, the Great Spirit. Uh, what was his name, Chris? Uh, Mashop. Yeah, Mashop. That's, that's that's
8: actually that's um. It's actually I think uh, The more I w- was researching that, I think that's a, a different, very similar Native American story, but actually a different, um, a different uh, uh, instance than that. I think that was much more towards the Cape area that uh, that the that Mashop was killed. The more that I looked into it. After the uh, after the initial kind of research, so the,
2: the the mash would that be the mashpee site? Uh, yeah. Well, the you know what what's interesting though is you know it can take down the great shop but those puckwudgies wouldn't stand a chance against uh, Whaling City ghosts. <laughs> well, no,
10: actually, I hope that they're friendly because I do feed my puckwudgies well. There
2: you go. (laughs) All right. Well, stay safe out there and tell uh, Andy and uh, Kathy and everybody from Worcester Paranormal that we said hello. And they can keep sending anything to Chris. Anything you get, just get in touch with Chris.
10: And a shout out to all the friends in the chat room. Hope they're having a great time tonight.
2: All right. Yeah, they do miss you. So uh, that is Wailing City Ghosts, Luan Jolie. And we'll talk to you uh, in the future to find out if you got anything. You sure will. All right. Stay safe. Good night. Thanks. Good night. And uh, we do have another call here on the line, and I'm not sure if that's a group or not, but we'll check in. Uh, okay, just, uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Uh, who are we talking to? Hello? Hi, how you doing?
11: <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, it's been very nice, very peaceful out here. So far, my big fear of the evening is whether or not I'm going to have to call the fire department to haul me down off this rock because it's pretty
2: high. Who, who are we talking to? Kathy
11: Kassler. Oh, from hi, Worcester Kathy. Who's paranormal?
2: How yeah, are paranormal you? granny. How you been?
11: <laughs> paranormal granny, that's right.
2: You <laughs> uh, may
11: need the fire department to get off the rock. Um, we went up earlier. Um, I got here earlier this evening um, before dark, and um, I just wanted to let people know that there is actually a Wampanoag powwow going on here in Rehoboth, and it's right off of, uh, Bay State Road. And they are open to the public from 11 till 5 tomorrow.
0: Oh
2: wow. How and I awesome.
11: went in and spoke to, the, you know, spoke to them for a little while, um, and just to make sure because we were over in the cemetery, cemetery number 8, for quite a while and I didn't want them to think that we were taking pictures of them or recording them kind of thing and, um, So they were very nice, very pleasant, and I wanted to pass that on. So if there are any listeners who are interested, um, you know, they have that going on open to the public tomorrow. We had some interesting experiences in that graveyard. Um, We did think that we saw a shadow. And Cemetery number 8 is supposed to have the spirit of a man they call Ephraim. Oh, so you're talking
3: about village cemetery, right? The
11: village cemetery, yes. The village cemetery, and um, we thought that maybe we saw a shadow. Um, we walked to the back; we didn't see it. Um, what else did we have? Some smell of um, lilac. Lilacs. We smelt lilacs by one grave, and we looked around. There were no flowers.
2: Well, I don't think
11: plastic we're ones.
2: We're past lilac season, anyway, aren't we?
11: Yeah, we're well past by last My bush died already. Yeah, well. Did you you feel any,
2: um, cold spots in the cemetery
3: at all?
11: No, well, interestingly enough, um, there was, um, one of the girls that I'm with, Brenda Cirillo, she, um, had, um, mentioned that she thought she kept seeing a little girl named Olivia. She's, you know, pretty heavily psychic. And, um, we did find a grave, um, a little girl named Olivia
3: hmm um, yeah there is the a graveyard. legend I love, about a little girl the, um, I'm sorry I can't hear you oh I'm sorry there is a legend in the cemetery of a little girl running around I don't know the name of if she oh, had name well, attached there is attached a legend
11: or, of that cemetery of a little girl running around oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so there you go um, not cold spot but over by that little girl's grave it felt very hot if that hot. makes any sense, yeah, hot, hmm. like fever, you know, or you know, it just felt really, really warm. And then when you stepped away from it, the the temperature around it was a lot cooler. Interesting. And
2: and you're out there with Andrew Lake and uh, and Worcester Paranormal.
11: I am. Yep, I'm here with um, John and Brett. John and Brenda come out to with Worcester Paranormal um, with us. And um, yeah, Andrew's a few feet away from me. I hope he doesn't fall off that ledge. There he goes. <laughs> 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 Andrew, leave us the Did you hear the scream? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, i got to make sure to put that on my recorder so we know.
2: <laughs> well, uh, it's an EVP. everybody stay safe out there, and uh, anything that you get, anything that goes on, just uh, get a hold of Chris, and he'll put it up on the Twitter feed. And uh, any evidence or anything, uh, we'll we'll have it up there. So,
11: Yeah, we will. When I review, I'll be sure to uh, email anything that I get to you folks. So. Right, how's
2: your show coming along?
11: Um, my show? Yeah. Oh, oh, the one I was doing in Quincy. Yeah. Um, actually, I can't do it anymore because I no
2: longer live in Quincy. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's a, that's the hang up um, about moved, those I, channels.
11: I bought a little. I bought a little house in Waynes. Ah, well. Um. So that was yeah. That's sort of the end of that.
2: Well, Spooky <laughs> TV is available if you want to move it to there.
11: Oh well, I'll keep. Um, I'll definitely keep that in mind. All
8: right, we'll
2: talk, Rainy. What time was um, the um
8: was the the powwow tomorrow? I'm posting that up on the feed.
11: Um, it's. From 11 a.m. till 5 p.m. when it is when it's open to the public.
8: Beautiful. Thank you very much. All
11: right. Oh, yeah, that's great. I think it would be wonderful to support it.
2: And thank you so much for checking in and for sharing that with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys. Have a good night. You Bye. Too. Stay
8: safe. Bye. Bye-bye. Kristen, I always get my, my uh, Rehoboth cemeteries confused, but between uh, Palmer River and, and Village, some of the some of the things that have been reported is is Palmer River or village the one that has the, the cat calls
3: um, I don't know about that. cat calls I've never heard that one before Palmer is um it's a smaller cemetery it's really not that much it's not that far from village though village right, is right. like
8: a main cemetery in town i can't remember one of them one of them has the um one of them has the uh people here uh, cat calls from a uh, one of the corners of it and it's been pretty oh that's village yeah. village that's cemetery village? that's okay. the, the same um spirit
3: that um she was just talking about ephraim okay I incre- he, he, does, he doesn't like women too much right right
2: and i wanted to ask you kristen uh what, what's the status of uh you and manny's work i know that you've been working on some multimedia stuff uh what, what's coming down the pike from you guys
3: um well we all had a crazy summer you know we're working with aaron caggio Mm -hmm. Um, and we're about to have a production meeting and get to business, and we've kind of all been doing stuff separately, but we need to, like, come together and make up a schedule. But it's still going. We're still working hard.
2: And I know, Manny, and uh, you spend many hours in front of uh, microfilm readers and (laughs) researching some of the stranger, stranger stories that we still haven't heard about the Bridgewater Triangle.
3: Uh, yep yep like i said it's been a crazy summer but you know it's fall. my kids are back in school so i can hit the library again i'm looking forward to that
2: yeah right. well we have about four minutes left in the show but uh while we have chris balzano and chris and good with us if anybody has a quick question 508 996 500 996 1420 those are the numbers if you want to sneak in a question before we go uh now chris we're going to Keep updating that site as people have evidence, as they do their reviews, uh, and they forward it to you. We're going to put it up on that Bridgewater Triangle site on our site, right?
8: Yeah, I think we're really going to stay on them because you know everyone you know talks about the show all year long, and then the people make reference to information that they got. So we really want to get that information out. But we also want to, you know, we want to have kind of a you know a, a place for people to kind of get their feet wet with Bridgewater Triangle stuff, and 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 you know there's no better place than you know what's probably the official radio <laughs> show of the Bridgewater <laughs> triangle so we're, tr- we're trying to get as much of that information up as possible I'm, in the next couple of weeks
2: i'm guessing somewhere there's a ghost uh... an alien bigfoot and a uh, thunderbird all huddled around a radio laughing <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> those guys they don't realize we take this night off every if, year. Only,
8: if only we still had justin around to draw that up that would be pretty awesome <laughs>
2: Well, uh, definitely stay tuned to that site, and if you just go to SpookySouthCoast.com and click on the Bridgewater Triangle Project link, you'll see not only the Twitter feed, not only the evidence as it comes in, but you can listen to all those past shows, and you can kind of listen to when we first started out talking about this topic. We had Chris Pittman on, we had Chris Balzano on, and over the years we brought in a whole host of characters, and it seems like now, you know, as we go along, we've it's become so much easier to find people that want to get out there and investigate the Triangle, that know about the Triangle. Before, we used to have to kind of tell investigators about it before we sent them out there. Uh, but now, you know, they're coming fully armed, and the, the research that you guys do and the research that Manny and Kristen do and, and uh, Chris Pittman, I mean, it's, it seems like we've made it so that it's the most interactive paranormal night you can have <laughs> on, on Spooky South Coast. The rest of the time, it's just us talking at you, and we force you to listen. This is this is the listener show, so uh, what do you think next year? You know, when when we do this again, should we go back to the middle of February like we used to do? No, nobody's nobody's game for that. Oh,
8: you can do it in February. No problem with me whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't matter
2: to you down there. <laughs> you knock yourself out. No, I, th- I think this is a, it's such such a hard hard thing to find the right night to do. It. But I think tonight, in honor of uh, the anniversary of Anna Juan. Uh, we we did the right thing, and I think that uh, when the evidence starts rolling in, we might see the you know the payoff from that. And the important thing is all these groups that are out there tonight. Everybody's professional. Everybody's respectful. Everybody knows how to behave. They know how to conduct an investigation, which is important. But they also know how to treat the site with reverence, which is just as important. So, our thanks to all the investigators. I'll just. Give a quick roll call before we go off the air here. Our thanks, of course, to Kristen and Manny for all their work. Kristen joining us tonight on the phone. Chris Balzano, our content director, who not only does all this research on the Bridgewater Triangle, but also pretty much helps us run the entire program and running Command Central down there tonight in Florida. Thanks to Pilgrim Paranormal Research, Bay State Paranormal, Mike and Paula Markowitz, and Kerrigan, Jason Lorifus, Wailing City Ghosts, Greenville Paranormal Research and Andrew Lake, the Paranormal Granny, Kathy Caslin, Worcester Paranormal, Mark Colacusis, Nathan Meyer of NEAR, and uh, everybody else that's been out there, Joe Andrade, everybody that's been out there tonight uh, working hard and running the investigation for us, we thank you. Send us all of your evidence. Send it to Chris. He'll get it up there on the site, and it'll be a nice permanent reference point for people to go to to check out more about the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, Next week, Chris, what's the plan? Do we know what's going on next week? Uh,
8: We don't. We don't. I've got a few things coming down the pike. I was hoping to have Andy in uh, to talk about his book, but I've got uh, some other things that, uh, that may be lining up. So... The only, uh, the only date we have for sure set in stone this month is the 24th, and I believe the 13th, or the 17th.
2: The 17th, Christopher Lutz, Christopher yes. Fortino, of the Lutz family will be joining us to tell us the real story of Amityville. I cannot wait for this show. So uh, until next week, we'll be back to talk about something paranormal. From Matt Kosser, for Matt Muniz, Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.